How's the hair? Utterly terrible. Oh. <laughs> I just want to see. <laughs> You're not seeing this hair. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ring RC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? I am very well indeed. Very well indeed. Yep, yep. That is good to hear. I like it when you're very well indeed. Yes. It's like when you're on um, a morning flight. Remember those days we used to go on flights? Um, yeah, wow. It's like a morning flight. The sun is up at the same time that you are. So it's like, well, there's really, you know, there's like really nice early morning flights, 7.30. Oh yeah. And you're out over the city and the sky's like, it's just like pulsing. It's not like a kind of vigorous blue. It's like a nice gentle blue, watercolor blue. Yeah. That's how it feels at this moment. That's how my life feels right now. How are you doing? How am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm all right, man. I had a bit of a week (laughs) uh, on the podcast stuff. So you and Jeanette did Wrighty's House on Tuesday. We usually record Wrighty's House on Tuesday. Mm an absolute tech mare. I spent the whole day trying to get it back, see if it was on out in the ether somewhere. We explained it on Wrighty's house, but basically it was lost. So mm. unfortunately, well, unfortunately for everyone else, I had to re-record with Wrighty on Wednesday morning. But it was quite cool in a way because we covered Tuesday night's Champions League games. Yeah. And we don't usually get to do those on Wrighty's house because we record Tuesday morning. So that was nice. And it also means that we don't have to cover Tuesdays today. Right. So if you haven't gone back and listened to that yet, check Wrighty's house up on the Ringer FC feed. Um, we also, it was cool just hearing him talk about Mbappe and Moise Kane as well. And those two and Neymar hanging out, going to clubs in Paris in, in the drip when everything's back to normal. It was very fun. Paris is a vibe right now. I if you're know. PSG, it's a vibe. I yep. know. Uh, and then we gave flowers to Bakayo Saka and then did a little bit of a look ahead to Arsenal Man City and then Wrighty explained the whole thing about him waving to people which was quite <laughs> it was just really nice um, but yeah so that's up uh, other bits of admin don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify if you search for Stadio Outros it has all of the music we play out on each week the newest one is at the top you're doing another piece for the ringer I might have a piece up in between mm. my Gundogan piece got nudged back a little bit just because I had so much work on but I'm going to try and get that done this week and maybe a couple of other things as well also before we move on to the football it's a year to the day since Haaland's goal against PSG in the first leg of the Champions League last year the one that was our moment of the year on yeah, the stadios yeah, yeah. 2020 I tweeted the video again with Jan Platter's unbelievable commentary from DAZN Germany then a follow up to the piece that I wrote about it in I, I did 1100 words for the ringer in August, just on those nine seconds, which was supposed to be my Champions League final preview, please. <laughs> so I wrote about nine seconds that had nothing to do with it. I tweeted that if you want to go and check that at Ryan Hull on Twitter. Musa Okwonga has a book out. You can go to at Okwonga on Twitter and tell him how much you love him. <laughs> Ask him for his address to send sweet goods. Yes, yes. Although I'm not eating sweet goods at the moment. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did this not lead the show? What's that? What? Oh, I'm just the sweet goods. 
yeah, I'm just, you know, changing things up. I'm a little bit shook. You know, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 just, I wasn't expecting that. There we go. Just, you know, change things up. Apologies to anyone who thought I was literally leaving Stadio on Monday. And apologies to everyone who was quite hyped about that and then has seen me return on Thursday. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Wednesday's Champions League games. We're going to talk a little bit of the Premier League and we're going to touch on a couple of pretty pretty good games from Liga and La Liga. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, dude, do you want to start in Seville? Yes, let's do it. Um, and this is a fun game. It was a fun game. And there were almost like three distinct phases where Sevilla take the lead. So to recap very quickly, Dortmund beat Sevilla 3-2. And there are three distinct phases where you felt like, oh, oh no, Champions League misery for Dortmund. Oh, wow. Statement of victory for Dortmund. Oh, Dortmund. Got paid back a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was just maybe being charitable to both teams, just a very good Champions League tie mm. evidenced by the quality of goals. When, when you see teams having to score a high quality of goal, it's a credit to the opposition, I always think. And so it's a credit to Sevilla that Dortmund had to unpack them in the way they did. And two, I, I would say, if I was going to take anything positive from this game, and there's lots that's positive, the quality of the Dortmund strikes were exceptional. So they were exceptional. Each yeah. of them, each in their own way. Mo Dowd and two from Holland. And Mo Dowd is a player who, you know, his strike was interesting because he scored early on, got the equaliser for Dortmund. and First goal of the season. Yeah. And he's someone who's been coming for a long time in terms of, like he's been arriving for a long time. And someone from whom a lot has been expected given his technical ability. He's a very and good player, Mo Dowd. He's an extraordinary player. And the argument being he perhaps hasn't quite risen as fast as he should have given his skill set. And it's just really exciting to see him in the mix like that. It's really exciting. He's had a few injury problems at Dortmund and he's also had a little bit of trouble establishing a guaranteed first team place. Yes. But there have been, there have, he's played some big games over, for the, over the last couple of years. Like he actually, and he's had some big chances for them as well. Like he had, the, remember the classica in Bayern when Dortmund lost 5-0. Right, yep, yep. Oh, yes. Uh, and he had a chance to hit the, he had a chance to hit the post, I think at 1-0. There's always one, isn't there? In a big, in a big, yeah. there's and always that moment. a big yeah. chance. And you could tell his reaction, was, he knew because he, I, I remember thinking at the time, wow, that's a massive reaction because he dropped to his knees when he, when it hit the post. That era at Gladbach where there was him talking Hazard 
and I think maybe even Granite Jacket was still there at the time where they had, they just had a load of swagger about them. Yeah. That was the first team that I really got into mm. in Germany, actually. That era Gladbach, yeah. I think it can be quite difficult for players making the move to Dortmund from other clubs within the Bundesliga sometimes to maintain that swagger because Dortmund is quite a different animal. You know, you've even seen it with Julian Brandt after his move from, from Bayer Leverkusen. Like, as good as Julian Brandt is, in my opinion, and as good as he has been at points for Dortmund, you know, like, the RB Leipzig game last last season, which was probably my game of the one of my games of the year. Sometimes it can be quite tricky to walk into or to 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 kind of take that form or that attitude from Gladbach or Leverkusen to Dortmund. I think it's exhausting as well. It's having to do it every week. Yeah, I mean the goal itself was amazing after scrappy deflected goal. Yeah, so so basically it was worrying because. There was everything about that goal was passive from a Dortmund perspective. Suso gets it and he cuts back inside, but people weren't close enough to him. That mm. was the kind of the original sin, not getting close enough. And then we saw it with another goal as well against um, Atleti, got one against Levante, where people are so slightly standing off. Mm. People don't fully commit to the block. And now listen, if a ball is flying your head or your midriff, I'm not, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not exposing myself to that kind of danger on a daily basis. At the same time, you can see the occupational hazard of not closing down Suso. Mm. And the second he got the ball, I was like, you can't let someone shoot from there. And that's what we saw. Mm. Yeah, Darrow's strike by contrast, as you were saying. I mean, I tweeted the only thing that would have made that goal better was if Mo Dahoud still had his moustache. <laughs> Pushing your agenda. I just don't know why he got rid of it, man. Moustached Mo Dahoud was my favourite Mo Dahoud. Maybe it was too much swagger, though. Maybe it was just too much. Too I much mean, it was, he, you know, he's a handsome man. And I think that Mo Dahoud with a moustache as well, it is a little, it is a little bit kind of like Mo. Could you give the rest of us a chance, maybe? Like, but it's like maybe it's like maybe it's like white boots, though. This is the thing we don't realize we're foot, we're not footballers, right? So we don't understand there are certain things in the course of their work, you know, haircuts, certain things in their world. There are things if a player's got a certain haircut, you're like that guy's making a statement. Mm. It's like uh, Pedri's socks. See how Pedri has those socks that are slightly undersized, right? That's like a statement. It's like I'm going to wear them like this because I've got that sense of like endless activity, action man, Captain America type energy. That's his vibe, right? So there's certain things that footballers do that are like, like the, like the um, Grealish socks over calves. Like the, under calves. Under calves, sorry. That's a statement. That's a thing mm. that... Yeah. It's funny you said the Pedri thing because the, th the, the length of Pedri's socks, if you're on create a player mode on FIFA or career mode as a, as a player, you can change the length of socks from normal to above the knee to un like lower. But right. lower doesn't go to Grealish length. It goes to exactly Pedri length. Pedri so socks are exactly the same length as if you would click lower on FIFA career mode. Really interesting, I think. This is I mean, funny. really interesting you... is debatable. No, no, no. But no. I find it quite interesting. No, but it is interesting. No, it is interesting because, and this is just on the haircut thing, and, to, and the, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely joking about the moustache stuff because players basically find ways to G themselves up and give themselves confidence. Mm. You know, a bit of swag. It could be a collar up with George where it was like the single wristband, you know, or it was the three quarter sleeve rolled up. Like there's things that players do to give themselves a bit of a lift. And we don't know because we're not in football what those lifts are and how many of those things where a senior player will look at you and be like, you shouldn't be doing that at your level. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like the, we're not aware of those little cues. I'd be fascinated to talk about that with people in football and being like, like, like Henri, the socks over the knee. Mm. You're basically saying to people, kick me. Mm. You put your socks over your knees, you're going, 
kick me because I'm saying that my first touch is so smooth and silky that even with my, my socks over my knees, there will not be a drop of mud or blood that touches these socks. And the amount of times that Henri left a game of football with clean knees, and the only times that his knees were dirty was when he was knee sliding after scoring. It's a statement. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, I love Motorhood, but Mo, if you're listening to this, which you definitely won't be, but please bring the moustache back. Statement moustache. I don't know. It's like I said that time. It's like, I think there's an element of trust. About you know, it's like, I, I trust William Carvalho implicitly and I've never met the guy. He's like the barman, the barman just before the shootout. You know the, the barman where everyone goes for their shootouts, but where everyone trusts the barman. So the night before the shootout, they go into the bar. <laughs> yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. The night before the bar, the shoot, they go into the bar and they're like, ah, oh, but everyone tells them their secrets. He's that guy. So yeah, that was one all Dortmund and then uh, enter Holland, Sancho to Holland, a movie we've seen a million times. Although, not quite like this, actually. A little dink from Sancho. Usually it's that slide rule pass where, Do- where Haaland makes the angled run in between a centre-back and another defender behind. And, but this was a really lovely goal. Which we right? saw later, actually. Didn't we? we saw that one later. Mm. We saw the slide rule later. But mm. this one, the give and go from, Sancho, from, from, from Haaland was out of this world. His ability to carry the ball from deep makes him so dangerous. Like he can poach, but he can also bring the ball up. and. Yeah, the reverse, but this, this goal was stunning, actually. The movement, yeah. the execution. I think people now acknowledge this guy as legit. This Holland. is really nice. Yeah, yeah. This is, I, mean, he's got, he, I think he's, uh, he's scoring a goal less than every 90 minutes in the Champions League since I think he started playing the Champions League. Ridiculous. Nowhere near his peak. Nowhere near his peak. Sevilla got back into it at the end, which will be a really disappointing goal for Dortmund to concede. But I, th- I think that taking a 3-2 lead home, you know, Sevilla need to win by two clear goals. And that's going to be tricky unless they score three. I'd, yeah, I'm, and also... I'm I mean, not they, sure I can see Sevilla scoring three. They were well worth their second goal, to be fair, as well, because the second half, they brought off Rakitic, brought on Gudelj. Who had Took big, off Suzo as well. Had big Sergio Ramos energy, Gudelj, actually. <laughs> I don't know if it was the headband and the long hair channeling it, but he came with a big Ramos energy. Mm. Like, you know, like extending a feud. You know, there's those, those footballers who like, when something kicks off, because a couple of things kicked off at the end of the game. Those yeah, moments, it got quite spiky, didn't it? It did get spiky. And there's, there's, all those, there's always those footballers who are like, when something kicks off, they extend the feud, just hoping something else happens. You know, what, I'll just keep this burning. And he had, Gudelj definitely brought that to the table. And to be honest with you, I respected it. I respected it. Just I knew little, you would. <laughs> yeah, a little, <laughs> I knew you would. I did. I respected it. Um, so, and actually, a couple yeah. of sorry, yeah. go on. Actually, no, no. Uh, just to say, just to give a quick shout out to Marco Royce who created this, the uh, second goal for Holland beautifully with that lovely pass into the inside right space that Holland just stroked into the corner. That was a lovely strike. But I think on balance, the way that Sevilla pretty much bossed the second half, where Dortmund had clearly been instructed protect what you have. Yeah, man, they were managing the game, weren't they? Which is quite strange for Dortmund, actually. And I, they did it okay, I thought. Yeah, they only scored with eight minutes to go. I think when this happens, when a thing like this happens, Terzic should almost be like, do you know what? They scored with eight minutes to go, but that is an occupational hazard of playing the way we did. And that sets us up well. And it's far better to do that than to bomb forward and get outdone. I think if, if Dortmund bombed forward, weirdly enough, it could have been three all, then everyone's going, oh, Dortmund, typical Dortmund. A couple of things were, I think, that Dortmund have been quite a possession-based team mm. in the last couple of years. Yes. But I think they've realised that 
there kind of wasn't much in the way of obstruction through the center of the park mm. against Sevilla. Yeah. That Sevilla midfield didn't really offer a huge amount in the first half. And Dortmund, I think Dortmund looked dangerous when they just, just went straight down the middle. Mm. Yes. Went yes. at them. Yeah. But also at the same time, you know, this is the this is a side who's in the top four in La Liga. This is a good result for Dortmund. It's the first time they've won an away knockout Champions League games in seven years since a 4-2 win in St. Petersburg. Shouts to Stefan Ersfeld who posted that tweet. To win away at the side who has come top four in La Liga for the last couple of years, won the Europa League last year, is a good side. Sevilla are a good side. First away win in the knockout stage for seven years. I don't think you can have too many complaints even with the second goal going in really no I think that's fair it's a good result actually a balanced result it is a good result yeah definitely and um, just uh, I think unless you want to add anything else I mean just a quick shout for Edin Terzic who I tweeted was very much dressed like a man who was in Seville for a couple of days (laughs) yeah (laughs) in and out yeah I was chatting to Kevin uh, Hatchard on Twitter about it and Kevin was talking about the trousers. And I just said, that is a man who is um, enjoying the perks of, having, of being allowed to ditch North Rhine-Westphalia to go to Andalusia in February. He basically had the energy of someone who, when you've got like a really, when you're going a really long flight, you sometimes change into like something else for the journey because you can't wear like tight yeah. denim jeans on a long flight. And those are like long haul flight tracksuit bottoms, basically. That's what they were. They were I think they were actually chinos. Were they chinos? Yeah, they were more of a chino thing. Yeah. They look quite baggy from my sort of vantage point. All right, so Dortmund take the lead back to Dortmund. Porto will go to Turin with a 2-1 lead over Juventus. And will feel slightly disappointed that it's only 2-1. They will, although Federico Chiesa is... He's he's having a bit of like, this is my house energy. Uh, He's a really, really useful option. They, they've got Kulisevsky in as well. They've got like quite a bevy of attackers, Juve. Morata, Kulisevsky, uh, Ronaldo, Ibala, Chiesa, obviously. And he's pushing himself quite interestingly into that almost second most reliable finisher spot in terms of like goals, you know, get, coming up with goals that are useful at useful times. Porto had this much of their own way, actually, and arguably should, could have been 3-0 up and opened up Juve in really interesting ways. I mean, Bentancourt, horrible, horrible mistake, the first one, and just not fully awake. And then Juve again had trouble playing out from the back, almost led to a second goal. Morega scored a gorgeous goal uh, in the second half where they linked up really nicely, Porto. And at that point, a 3-0 was, was pretty much in the offing. And the fact that Juve now take an away goal back to Turin, they'll fancy That's themselves. Massive. Oh, they'll yeah, They'll really yeah, I fancy think, themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Juve blow them away back in Turin, to be honest. It's sad. It's sad. But that, mm. that, I think that goal, that goal's the killer. And you could see, and it wasn't actually the best. It wasn't the best, uh, the cleanest strike, but it was Quite a control strike. Though, I control think. strike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a horrible, it came at a horrible height. Yeah. And he had a really nasty bounce in front of him. I think he actually did really well to control it because that can, yeah. that can, they can go anywhere, especially he like smothered it. Yeah, it's surfaces of wet as they usually are. And those Champions League balls, they can really just go anywhere. I mean, these it's like are- a greasy egg. Yeah. A greasy boiled egg. No, you're right. It's what you might call a, a smothered finish. And mm. he, he smothers it from quite far out as well. Comes into his body and he gets his sort of shoulder over it and the keeper just doesn't move. Mm. I don't think the keeper's expecting a contact that good and it completely wrong foots him. So really, really nicely done. A really clever, it's a clever finish. The kind of finish that strikers 
my years later, be like, oh, what's your favorite strike? You'd be like, oh, that one. You'd be like, really? I said, yeah. no, no, no. But, but in terms of the context and the timing and the technical difficulty, it's the kind of strike, it's the kind of goal that other strikers will send you a WhatsApp about and be like, nice work. I really like that. Well, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about UV's defending because Bentancur with a flex in the first minute of the game to play a no-look pass back to Chesney. And obviously it went straight into the path of Mediterimi, who graciously accepted. I think he, uh, I think he was like, really? Really? You're giving, you're giving this to me <laughs> in the first minute? In my house. In my house. In my house. Uh, but there were a couple of really ropey moments. Like Chesney had that left foot pass that he tried to play out that was just dreadful. Yeah. And then Delict kind of did a turn his back block, very similar to the, the one that actually led to the, the first Sevilla goal. Yeah. And you could see him. Did you see the slow-mo replay of Delict basically being like, what the hell are we doing? And Chesney was looking at him and he was, he was basically being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> this, is, this is, player reactions are so interesting and revealing. Uh, just to duck back to the Sevilla game very quickly, there was a moment when Hummels gets a chance in the second half. <gasps> oh, I thought and he was almost enough. turning around to run up the field before he hit it. He had so little confidence in his ability to score this goal. He gets his half volley just inside the severe area and he hits it. And he's already turning back towards goal because he's like, I've missed this. And he, he hammers it into the ground and he's already looking back up the pitch. And it's, it's really funny watching body language of footballers just before something unfolds. Before a penalty, you're like, they're going to miss that. Mm. You can just see what's going to happen. And I think one of the not funniest things, one of the most interesting things is, is when defenders are looking around trying to place collective responsibility when it's individual. So Schmeichel would do all the, Peter Schmeichel, the classic, would concede a terrible goal and then scream at everyone else, even though it was his fault. And he's the master of that. But that was actually, you reminded me of a Max Hummels moment that I forgot to mention in the Dortmund game where all of a sudden he was the furthest man forward in a three-man counter-attack. <laughs> and then it looked like Manuel Akanji had pulled his hamstring and I nearly, it, I nearly tweeted the sight of Hummels bombing forward in the counter-attack has actually caused Manuel Akanji to pull his hamstring. <laughs> Get us out of here. <laughs> like, is that... You know, because like I always say that Gerard Piquet bombing forward in a Barcelona attack in, for no reason whatsoever is one of my favourite things in football. Just because it's so, it will never not be funny. It's extra, so extra. But still, I was like, Matt Hummels? At this stage of his career, is now yeah, deciding to be an stage. overlapping centre-back. Steady on, Matt. Steady on. But anyway, let's go back to the Porto game. Really interesting that both their goals came in the first minute of each half. If that's worth looking at from Pillow's perspective, isn't it? Being caught cold. Because yeah. that's, a, that's a preparation thing, for sure. That's a preparation thing. I don't think uh, Sergio Contessao will be that bothered about the Juve goal in a way, because I think that the fact that they were two ahead in the first place, he might be able to compartmentalise taking a lead to Turin. I don't think he would have expected to take a lead goal, to Turin. I think the second goal as well, in particular, gives him most cause of comfort because it's showing you can open up a team that is a little bit more ready for you. The first goal, you can almost say, well, mistakes happen. That won't happen in Turin. But mm. knowing you've got the, you've got the uh, ability to open up Juve and interestingly enough, all the threat really came down the right, the inside right channel. Mm. The three most dangerous moments, um, couple self-inflicted, they came through the inside right channel. So interesting to see what you've aided to address that in the, in the second leg.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, do you want to go to the Premier League? Because there were Premier League games this week. Yeah, um, I think the main one we look at is maybe the Everton-Man City was last night as well. So Man City basically won 3-1 and they never lose when Foden scores for them. Is uh, that a stat? It's a thing, it's a thing. Whoa. Um, Didn't that happen with like Maron Shamak at one point at Arsenal as well? <laughs> no, <laughs> Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> There's a full storm. Oh man, Shamak. He was a good player, sadly. Good player. Um, so Everton won Manchester City 3 at Goodison, obviously. And City take the lead. And it was one of those ones, when City take the lead these days, you get the feeling it'll be a procession, but it wasn't actually. Mm. Um, a deflected strike from Foden. Everton get back into this. And Richarlison's looked, I mean, I, I love Richarlison. I love his unselfish play. And it was nice to see him score from short range. I actually scored from Calvert-Lewin range, Calvert-Lewin being out for this game. Mm. Um, so Richarlison scored from close in. But City just... It's just the squad depth. Mm. When you have Riyad Mahrez just carving you up at any opportunity, you know, as, a, as an option off the bench primarily, and in this game he came to the fore, him and Bernardo ran right in this game. And City's third goal is one of those ones you have to watch three or four times just to understand exactly what happened because the interchange of passes is so quick and fluid. And it's, this is the thing about City. We said this before. Their combinations are so good because they work together so closely and because they managed to manage their injuries pretty well. Um, when I say that, they've got Aguero and De Bruyne out. They've worked really hard in their combinations in those attacking areas. That the speed at which they get the ball through is just, you can't. By the time Bernardo Silva gets the ball on the edge of the box, he, plays a, uh, he gets like a wall pass and he plays a dummy on the edge of the box and then slots in the corner. But by that point, by the time he's on the edge of the box, you're like, they're already dead. Mm-hmm. three seconds before he scores you're like Everton good night it's 2-1 at that point but you know it's over I mean but that was such a lovely goal I mean both of the opening Stunning City strikes. goals were yeah the, se- the second yeah the, the, uh, Mares, Mares and um, the Mares goal and the Bernardo Silva goal were both gorgeous strikes mm. but it's casual for City this is the thing people say like who can beat them to the title it's nobody better actually there's nobody better you see that third goal, you, th- you see that third goal and you're like there is not a team playing better football than that. 
at this point, at this precise moment, like right now, if we look at this week in football, they are playing the best football in the world at the moment over the last three weeks. I say overall. Yeah, I would. I, I think I'd agree with that. Just, 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 yeah. in this, just in this no. three-week spread, just in this three-week spread. I'd agree the best. because Bayern haven't been great. We recorded the last podcast ahead of their three or draw at home to Bielefeld on Monday night, which yep. they were very lucky. They were 2-0 down and 3-1 down in that game, mm. looking very leggy after their trip to Qatar. And, and Bielefeld, then, should, Bielefeld should have closed it out, actually, second yeah, half. If they should really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had yeah. another goal disallowed for offside, which was very marginal. Yeah, yeah. Lovely counter, lovely counter. Yeah, you know, Barcelona have been okay, pretty fun in La Liga, but they've had a couple of hiccups, obviously, the PSG yeah. game. Atleti made heavy weather against Levante last night. Yeah, and they've been and kind of stuttering a little bit in La Liga. PSG lost to Lorient a couple of weeks ago. Mm. They haven't been super mind-blowing. So I think that that is a, I think that's a shout. I think, I think City have, have been playing probably the best stuff consistently. I mean, what is it? I can't even, is it 17 in a row now? 16 in a row? It's more, 17? I mean, maybe more, maybe 18. It's wild. You know, they just keep winning consistently. Um, Everton, there's no shame in losing to City at home 3-1 at the moment. I don't think Carlo Ancelotti has any major concerns about trying to figure out why. Without Dominic Calvert-Lewin, James Rodriguez started on the bench. He's trying to manage that squad. I don't think it's a dreadful result for, for Everton. No, no, me neither. No, no. And when you're beaten by qualities of that strike, mm. you can't feel too bad. No, and City go to Arsenal on Sunday. The other game in the Premier League on Wednesday, Fulham getting a point against Burnley and Fulham are on a run at the moment where I think they've only lost one of their last six, which for a side in the bottom three is... Super impressive. They've only won one of their last six, but they've only lost one of their last six. Another really good result or, or impressive showing from Fulham, I think. And they are now only, I say they're only, they're six points off safety. Do you think they will be able to get out of it? It's firepower. It just, it just it's very hard to, it's just what it so often comes down to. Mm. Who goes in a scoring run? And the truth is, I just don't know, Ryan. Like, and I say that not with disrespect, but like, Look how Michal Antonio got hot for West Ham. Mm. And no one could have really seen he'd go on a scoring streak like that. And he hasn't really stopped being a goal threat in that sense. Some of them Fulham could just heat up. Mm. It could be Adamola Lookman. We don't know. And we know they have the potential to go there. And in many ways, it's good that I don't know because it means that, it means that they've had, they have that potential. Mm. We've seen this in football already this year. Anyone that is betting with any kind of confidence on this season, frankly, I mean, goodness me. Who would bet on this season? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's go to Spain. Oh, Atleti really missed a chance to, to tighten their grip on at the, at the top of the table. And I think Diego Simeone will be, well, he looked very pissed off at the end of the game. Uh, Levante taking the lead in a one-all draw against Atleti. Atleti getting back into it from a deflected Marcus Lorente shot for halftime. But they had a couple of opportunities, Atleti. And I think they should have won the game, to be honest. Hmm. Do you yes. think so? Well, I think, well, wait, well, first, yes, they should have won it because they needed to win it. They should have won it because they had enough time to win it. And there's a slight concern over their attacking fluidity at the moment. Granada squeezed out that win and they took the lead late against Granada and then mm. got pulled back and then got the, the winner. But they've scored, the last two goals have been quite scrappy, mm. which suggests a struggle for attacking cohesion. I don't know if it's the altitude of being at the top of the league, 
the sense that they've really got a chance to do this. I don't know what it feels. It could just be Atleti being Atleti, but whatever it is, they need to sort of sort it out. Mm. Uh, they couldn't. They can't have Joao Felix back at his best a moment too soon. Put it that way. Yeah, he's hit a bit of a bit of a rough patch. Started on the bench against Levante. Yeah, been out a bit as well. Mm. So good side Levante. Levante took the lead after like just before twenty minute mark. It was a bad look. And Levante didn't really give them much, especially in that first half. They didn't give them much. So that's why I think Simon is frustrated because I think the one thing he'd ever be annoyed at his team back consistently is that we don't have the right intensity. And I think it was quite damning. They didn't start with the right intensity against Levante. My one concern about this Atleti team is they're a little bit too interesting. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, yeah, they just don't, they don't close things out. Mm. They're, like, a strange, they're a strange team, Levante, though, because they... You know, they lost to Osasuna the other day. They beat Real Madrid in Madrid. You know, they had that amazing game just after Christmas against Betis. Do you remember the 4-3? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very strange team. I think that was a postponed game from earlier on in the season. Oh, right. Okay. And Atleti actually play Levante again this weekend at the Wanda in the league. Home and away. Yeah, nice, huh? But yeah, Levante were a weird side. They respond to the strength of the opponent. They respond. That's, that's, that's what it is, Ryan, because they, to maintain that level, it's the thing about, it's, it's the Mo Daru thing, isn't it? It's like mm. you, it's hard to, it's hard to be at that intensity. You know, if you're playing against Real or Atleti, you're like, if we don't turn up 10 out of 10, we're going to get hammered. Mm. Whereas, you know, if you turn up against Osasuna, you can still beat them at a seven and a half out of 10 of your potential. Mm. And I think that's what it does. Almost they, I think this game reminds us that teams like Atleti always get everyone's best shot. They are walking around now with a target on them. What's interesting for the next four or five games is how they, they now handle how real this is. Like everyone is saying this is their league to lose. Everyone's saying it. I'm sure they're saying it. Yeah, I mean, they're still six points clear with a game in hand over right, right, yeah. Real and yeah, yeah. Um, Barcelona got a game in hand but on it should Real be eight. Madrid. It should be eight. It should be, be eight. Close. <clears throat> it should be eight. The four draws this season, some of them have been a bit like, mm. yeah, mm, bit yeah, bit yeah, bit meow. As, Jean- as Jeanette would say, a bit yeah. Let's go to Liga very, very quickly, just to touch on the Marseille Nice game, which was absolutely wild, by the way. Marseille went two 0 up. I mean, Guri got one back for Nice just after half time. Marseille went three one up, and then um, Malik Saluki got one back right at the end for Nice, and then I mean, Guri hit the post with a free kick while slipping with the very <laughs> last kick of the game and then it bounced back off of, of uh, Steve Mandanda and then went out and then the whistle blew but that's their first win I think since Vyash Borish was fired Marseille just as a club they should be doing huge things actually they were doing so well they were title yeah. contenders playing gorgeous stuff as well yeah the yeah, yeah 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 oh what a strange season for Marseille Let's take another break and then we're going to talk about Marco Rosa. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, 
restrictions. All apply. See website for details. The news broke just after we recorded on Monday that Marco Rosa it will be the new Borussia Dortmund manager next season, leaving Gladbach after what will be the end of his second season. He loves his two seasons, is Marco Rosa. Smart man, smart man. First of all, I'm going to ask what you think. What do you think about it? Right move, shame about timing. Right move for? Right move for Rosa, shame about the... Look, football moves really, really fast, okay? And you can be the flavour of the month and you have one... It actually happened to AVB, to be honest. AVB was regarded as best young coach in Europe by a distance. One bad season at Chelsea and that all changes the entire perception of him. That nickname that I think John Terry gave him, DVD, because he always had his little sort of videos running around, that has stuck. Horrible things like that stick. Mm. You stay two seasons somewhere and bounce and take a team to a level where you show some quality. Your market value now is stratospheric and Marco Rosa has done the right thing for his career. Taking Gladbach to the Champions League knockout stages, it's a huge achievement. In the middle of all of this, in a pandemic, playing some of the best football I've seen from a you know, a Gladbach team since I arrived in Germany, reminiscent at the peak sort of five days. He's done that for Gladbach. And I just think a third season at Gladbach, his star becomes tarnished. So I think it's strategically the right time and the right move for him. That's my opinion. I'm a little bit torn to be honest. Um, I... I'm a big fan of Marco Rosa. I can see why he took the gig. I also could see why he wouldn't take the gig, to be honest, at the moment. Mm. I think um, Gladbach are a very settled club at the moment. Max Abel has got a contract that will run for a few, a good few years. They have a lot of good young players coming through. They've got a good setup there. They've struggled in the league a little bit this season, and I think that's been as a result of their Champions League stuff. We've also, well, you actually mentioned it quite a lot on the podcast about, especially when we were talking about Julian Lopetegui when he got off of the Real Madrid gig, about you never know when they're going to come after you again. Right, right. So there is that, ele- that element in there. I mean, I have a soft spot for Gladbach and I have a soft spot for Dortmund. People may have noticed that I have a bit of a soft spot for Marco Rosa. You're basically an ultra. Marco Rosa Ultra. Yeah, you are. You are. Yeah. I want to proclaim myself as the first straight white male Marco Rosa stand. Yeah. And that's, that's I think actually was, accurate. I think yeah. I wanna, that's, my, that's, my, that's my vibe. And I'm fine with that. I might put that on my Twitter bio, actually. <laughs> but uh, I think the way that it happened is a little bit confusing. I think Gladback did really well here. Yeah, I agree. Gladback yeah. kind of owned the story by getting ahead of it. And I don't think Dortmund were expecting them to drop an announcement like that. I think I mentioned it on the podcast before the Cologne game, the derby. Yeah. He was asked about this stuff on Sky Sports and he was really spiky about it. He was very, very, very short and he just kind of looked a bit bored by with stuff like this. I think that's maybe why Gladbach have dropped it, just to kind of stop the noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because I think it was getting a little bit annoying. I think it's exciting. I think the intensity that he would demand from a lot of those Dortmund players, I think it fits in that sense mm. quite well. Yeah. And also like Marco Rosa gets to coach in his own language and he gets a chance of winning the Bundesliga. He will fancy himself to win the Bundesliga at some point in that job. Now, 
Gladbach will not have, they don't have the money and the depth. This is the thing. It's not about day to day. Gladbach on their day can blow away any team in the world. Mm-hmm. Peak Gladbach playing in their style. They can hurt anyone. They can beat anyone. They're that good. But this is, you know, having to move to another country, another football, it would have been likely somewhere like the Premier League. You're coaching your second language against, you're in a league where you've got generational coaches you're going up against. Mm. And all those prejudices, all those conversations, you know, Rose is not stupid. He listens on the grapevine. He knows how it goes. The kind of scrutiny he would get, not that he'd be afraid of the scrutiny, but, you know, you're, you're coaching against Tuchel, Guardiola, Klopp, Ancelotti. I mean, this is not a clown show you're going into. Mm. And you won't get a fair shake. Whereas you're likely to get a fair shake from media here. You'll get the resources. And it's a chance to build something really exciting. And I'm sure the conversations he would have had at Dortmund would be like, this is my first long-term job. This isn't my intention. This is the, you know, Gladbach's a place he might go for the medium term. He might have expected to stay maybe, I don't know, like he might have expected to stay at Gladbach for three to four years because no one could have anticipated what would happen with Favre. You know, this, this kind of deterioration was alarming, I think. So I think it's caught everyone by surprise. I think it's caught Rosa by surprise in terms of the deterioration. I think Gladbach, as frustrated as they might be, they would understand it, if that makes sense. This job has come up at the wrong time for everyone, mm. if that makes sense. I don't really have any concerns about Marco Rosa's fo- focus until the end of the season. No, no, I no, just don't no, think. I just no. don't think managers are like that, to be honest. I think you saw it with the Julian Nagelsmann when he moved to RB Leipzig. Yeah. From Hoffenheim, he, that was announced before the beginning of the season. He, he saw out his entire final season at Hoffenheim knowing that he was moving the following year. Sorry, do you know I'm laughing? It's Julian Nagelsmann. He is so amazing because he reminds me of the kind of guy that wouldn't even have a leaving party. Mm. He'd be out the door. You know, he's so professional. He'd do every training session perfectly. And he'd be a compl- And the players might look at Nagelsmann going, is this guy actually going? Is he leaving? Like, you know, his intensity would be mm. so high. And I think... Yeah, you're right. Rose has got the same thing about him. Like, I don't... And to be honest, I don't know if the players will be that bothered either in terms of this particular season because they're having a moment, Gladbach. I think that's the way then to look at it. Like, we're having a moment at Gladbach, particularly in the Champions League. Let's see how deep we can go. Mm. We get past City. Everyone's going to be afraid of us, actually. I think that his managerial style will fit at Dortmund. (laughs) Dortmund have finally got their little link to Klopp because he played under Klopp at Mainz, um, knows him very well, is very fond of him. I was literally stood next to him when he was giving an interview in English, actually, when he was in Berlin, and he was talking about Klopp. And you could just tell that there's a huge amount of admiration there. So I wonder whether Dortmund are thinking this, is, this could be Klopp 2.0, which I don't necessarily think is a healthy uh, state of mind for Dortmund. But there is that emotion. I think that Dortmund are a club that need, that, that need to feel that connection with their manager. Yes, yes. All clubs do in a way, but I think Dortmund are, you know, that's, that's such a major part of their identity. I think he's the guy. I think he could be the guy. Yeah. I am really excited to see how he tweaks the personnel because you really, really see Gladbach playing four, uh, three at the back. Dortmund have played three at the back quite a lot recently. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, he also has quite a fondness for playing two up top which I think could potentially suit Dortmund as well Holland and a, and a second striker maybe like Sancho as a number 10 or something like that if he can keep them I 
personally, this is a massive gamble here. Unless Man City go big, I can't see Holland moving this year. No one's got the money. I mean, Sancho though. Will Man United drop the money that Dortmund will want this year? I I think it's very tricky, Musa. Dortmund may need to have a bit of a fire sale if they don't finish in the Champions League. Mm. But, and this is just my gut feeling and I have no insight into this whatsoever, but I'm not 100% sure that we'll see that many massive moves this summer. Like uh, genuinely that, that, huge moves. That, that, I can, that I can believe. I'm just, the thing about United is if United do end up third, for example. And Dortmund don't finish Champions League. Then, yeah, then and even, if, even if they do, even if Dortmund do get Champions League, even if they do, if United end up third, Solskjaer then has an unbelievable amount of leverage. Mm, two third place finishes in a row, right? Yeah, he has incredible leverage, but this will be a different type of third because this will be like, this is a momentum based. It's like, well, this is the guy we need to elevate us. Solskjaer has an incredible amount of leverage if, if that happens for United. Mm. Um, which is, for, for Dortmund's sake, is a shame because I would love to see Rosa coach those, all of those players together. I mean, I genuinely believe that if, and I still believe this, and I know that a load of people are like, yeah, 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 whatever. But I think that Dortmund is such a great place for people to play. And I still think that when everything is ticking, they're the best chance at winning the Bundesliga outside of Bayern Munich. Agreed, yep, yep. This season has been strange. They had to sack Lucien Favre, who, despite his troubles, was quite popular there among the players. They've announced a new manager whilst Ed and Terzic is still there. It's, very, it's a strange season for them. They're not going to sell more than one, I don't think, in the summer. Mm. If it is Jaden Sancho, I love Sancho, but I think that they could probably afford to lose him more than Holland. Because they have other uh, yeah. players that can step into that role. Absolutely agree. You know, Absolutely you just, you, then you just see Gio Reyna starting every week or Torgan yeah, yeah. Hazard back if he, if he, when he is back and fully fit. Yeah. I genuinely believe, and I wrote this in that piece ages ago about the, the, you know, trying to keep the band together at Dortmund. If they do want to stay, and a lot of the, I mean, maybe Vatska and Zorg just can't afford to keep all of them. Dortmund lose, I think, a few million quid per home game without fans. Horrible. We're nine months since the Bundesliga came back. So that's nine months of football that Dortmund have played without any fans losing a few million euros per game. The money will never get back. Money will never get back. So that is a massive worry for them. Yeah. But I do think that, I just think that Dortmund have, it's so tantalizingly close to being great at Dortmund. And it has been for a little while. And that's why I referred to Vatska as like the most tantric CEO in world football, because it's, it's so, <laughs> he's so close, man. But we'll see. I think it's exciting anyway. I think it's a shame for Gladbach, but also I think that Gladbach is so good at re, like regenerating. Who wouldn't want to manage? That's the thing about Gladbach. What's incredible, it's just an incredible job for any, you look at the infrastructure, the coaching, the youth, the general energy about it, the way they conduct themselves. It's just a great, great club to, to go and ply your trade for a couple of seasons or for a longer. Mm-hmm. I actually want them to get a long-term coach at some point in the near future someone who just beds down for like five years and just really goes for it, actually. Yeah. And also, really I, also one point I would like to make is that I know that there's been a lot of talk about Bayern snapping up all of the Bundesliga's ta- talent in the last however long, but Dortmund are no angels as well at that. Yeah. And actually, yeah, yeah. that everybody moves to Bayern narrative is quite a strange one because if you look at the players that have become, well, who have gone there over the last, I don't know, let's say decade, apart from Lewandowski moving on a free, mm. Hummels, who 
is a Bayern boy, actually. A lot of people, yeah. I think, forget that he's, he went Bayern Dortmund, Bayern Dortmund. Yeah. But Mamor Neuer went from Schalke. So did Alexander Nubel. Leon Goretzka went from Schalke, who were hardly challenging. I mean, they did have that one that year when they got into the Champions League a couple of years ago under Tedesco. You know, Nicolas Zula came from Hoffenheim. Pavar came from Stuttgart, who were relegated. Right. Dortmund have signed, you know, Thomas Delaney from Werder. They've signed Torgan Hazard, Mo Dahoud from Gladbach, Julian Brandt from Bayer Leverkusen in the, in the last... Yeah, they've taken alone. more marquee players. They've taken more marquee players than Bayern have, actually. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, or definitely as many, you know, and yeah. I think that yeah. just... It's, I mean, we see it in the Premier League, though. Manchester United signing Aaron Wampasaka and Harry Maguire, or Manchester City signing Riyad Mahrez, or you know Chelsea signing Ben Chilwell. It happens in every single league. You know Barcelona taking Martin Brathwaite off Leganes for yeah. no reason whatsoever, really, which basically condemned Leganes to go down. That's one of my least favorite signings. I think that's my le- yeah. Last- I think that's my least favorite transfer in the last five years. It's just yeah. it's just it was just cruel. Yeah, I think. I would go longer, I'd say 10. I'd say it was awful. Everything about it was terrible. It was so damaging for both sides, I think. Yeah, and that damaging for him as well because you go from a club where you're beloved to a club where you're not respected, where you're basically like, oh, bring on Brathwaite in the Champions League. Oh, people are like, mm-hmm. I'm like, Brathwaite's not the problem with Barcelona, actually. Mm-hmm. It's really not the problem. If there were one of any four sides who could win it each year regularly, like there are in the Premier League maybe, or three sides, let's say, uh, I don't think the the transfers to the, the buy and buys everybody. I think it would be as prominent. Agreed. I completely agree. Uh, should we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Felt a little bit, felt a little bit breezy today. Bright and breezy. Yeah. Oh my god, that's exactly the word. <laughs> that's exactly the word I was going to use. What <laughs> could I say, Musa? Maybe that's why we do a podcast together. Oh no. <laughs> Not many lols though today. Apologies, everyone, if there was a, a lol in lols quite somber though wasn't it well, not not no, not not somber it was measured it was measured today wasn't it it was just we were just overwhelmed by the champions <laughs> the champions oh actually I, I, do you know what <laughs> I, I realised that on Wrighty's house I said that we would go into how absurd it is that the Champions League is, is kind of back or European competitions are back at the moment but maybe we'll save it for next week because I'd also like to talk about the uh, the plans for reforming the Champions League oh so maybe goodness. next week Musa we can dust off our swords yes, and, uh, and go after UEFA for a bit. It's been a while. It's been a while. Let's go after UEFA. <laughs> We're coming for you. Come on, UEFA. <laughs> it's been a while, huh? Yeah, yeah. When was the last time we really, was it probably, it was probably Matt Hancock. <laughs> yes, it's usually it Matt was. Hancock. Yeah. <laughs> Low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, everybody, we hope you are staying safe and well. Staying warm if you're in Canada. Staying warm if you're in Texas. Oh my God. On a serious note, thoughts with everyone who is in the States at the moment and experiencing stuff that they haven't experienced before. Oh my gosh, Texas. Yeah, great shout. I'm glad you mentioned them. Glad you mentioned them. So hard. Yeah, we hope it resolves itself soon. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not very good at stuff like that. But yeah, we do see stuff come up on our timelines and we have a lot of friends and people we know in the States. So yeah, if you're affected by any of that, please stay strong. Yeah, we are on Twitter at Stadio. We're on Instagram at Stadio Football. Don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Right, his house from Wednesday is up. This is episode 140, Musa. Yes, yes, it is indeed. One of our favourite BPMs. <laughs> our favourite, arguably, yeah, I don't have a more favourite BPM than 140. Oh, spot, the two, spot the two guys from the UK. Yeah, absolutely, the gum fingers. I bet many of you don't even have a favourite BPM. 
<laughs> if you have a favorite BPM, don't send it to us. Do actually do. I want to know everyone's favorite BPM. But because it is episode 140, uh, we're going to play out with something on 140 BPM, which is it's actually technically 70 BPM, but it's fine. It doubles up fine. You can mix garage into it. Um, from our good friend, Martin, an absolute anthem, a classic of the genre. Yeah, one of my favorite tunes for a long time. A long time. We're playing out on a track called Broken. And if you do have speakers, turn this up. I will... Little, you want a little peek behind the curtain, Mooster? Usually I roll the bottom end off on the tunes we play out on. I'm not going to with this one. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, there's a peak. <laughs> Have a lovely weekend, everyone. And we'll be back on Monday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.